This is the EVP Podcast. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It is another episode of the EVP Podcast, and I'm one of your hosts, Beaker. And I'm Ghost of McGhostface. And I'm DVO, and it's actually Halloween as we record this. Ooh, spooky at the for cusp of 20 minutes. Ending. Yeah. Yeah, and we're almost gonna going. Be the, was it Day of the Dead, All Souls Day? All Souls Day. That's coming. That's so yeah, we're about 20 minutes. But by the time you listen to this, it'll be coming out we'll on be, All Souls Day. We'll be we recording from as it goes from All Hallows' Eve into All Hallows' Day. Yes. yes. In the transition true. while the veil is the thinnest. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Who knows what will come into the studio? <laughs> Welcoming all spirits into the studio tonight. Well, we hope you guys liked the last episode about the history of Halloween. Um and how that, I created it. Yes. So pardon the little uh, uh, inferior uh, sound quality. Just had a little hiccup with technicalities. Someone turned off the mixer. It happens. Yeah. While we were uploading the audio. Gremlins, um, man. Gremlins. Halloween uh, gremlins. Fortunately, the good audio that goes to the computer was lost, but the okay, mediocre crap audio from the video camera was still saved. So... Yeah, yeah, we we made it through that one without. But we did get we did get some good feedback. There, on if it. if you're watching YouTube at all, um, we'll just blame the person in the middle. Um, <laughs> for those of you on other platforms, you're never gonna know who did it. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we got a lot of feedback. I got feedback. Um, I, a couple of people that I actually work with listen to the show. Okay, and um, some of the feedback I got is they they love the show. They think we're hilarious. Uh, while yeah. being informative, and um, they never feel like the show's an hour. Like, our shows are, for the most part, are usually an hour long. And when they get done listening to the show, they're like, there's no way it's been an hour. I actually think the same thing, because I listen to it also just so I can judge myself <laughs> and try to improve myself. You narcissist. Because you're, <laughs> you're so vain. No, I, I do the same no, thing. No, I, I know I stumble. I know I talk really fast. I know I mumble at times. I know I talk under my breath sometimes Mumbler. as an inside joke, and then you don't even hear it. So I'm always trying to be better for you guys. And and yeah, so I'm always like, that, that was it? That, that was fast. It, it does go by pretty quick. That's what she said. Hey. <laughs> Ho. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of being funny, we did have a comment on the uh, Instagrams. Okay. From USP Jennifer. I learned how to read people's yeah, names. Good this time. Um, on like Streets Glider, because I'm retarded. Um, uh, but sh- they said informative, entertaining, and funny. Is there any better way? That's exactly Thank you. Thank how we you. do it. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's people that uh, uh, really love what we do and i appreciate you guys listening we, we do it for you and and keep um, spreading the word yes spread the word if you enjoy this podcast smash that subscribe button yep <laughs> <laughs> on the youtubes or you can find us at evp.pod on instagram and facebook and, and all your favorite podcast formats yes that too all right, you guys don't need to smash the subscribe button, but maybe just tap it with just your finger. Tell your friends about it. Your nose. Try to do it with your nose. Do a subscribe nose challenge. <laughs> tell your friends about it. Maybe go on the Apple Podcast. Tell all your friends to challenge them to subscribe with their nose. Yeah, or their toes or the other appendages. Um, go to go to the Apple Podcast if you listen to that one. Give us a five-star review. Please. Rating, review. One of the two, both. Yes, Let's do it. Dare you? I challenge you. <laughs> now I'm going to jump back a little bit to our types of spirits episode. We did have a comment on that one on the YouTube. Okay. Um, he said, 
Great episode, guys. This one had me very engaged. The momentum was fluid, and the topics had me interested and intrigued. Now, he has three questions. The first one is, what are our thoughts on spirits manifesting themselves as what some people call the greys? I think those are extraterrestrials. Yeah, isn't the greys the extraterrestrials? The, the more common ones, yeah. Yeah. From, from what I know. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, I think the alien, extraterrestrials are using the greys as their avatars. When they, uh, yeah. There's, there's a Ooh, whole other. Like another yeah, there's episode a whole topic. other episode. A whole other episode. Yeah. I personally believe in the Nordics. I'm still a little iffy on the greys, even though those are the ones that people see the most. Yeah. Um, so second question we have, do you think there is a spiritual component to blood, uh, i.e. blood that has been shed and a life lost? Spiritual mm, component? N- I don't think so. I, I think, think that's just possible. more of a physical. I think that's more of like a, if anything, it would be more spiritual. of your physical body, like oh, things that like kind of remain where blood will just seep into the ground, evaporate, become a stain. Um, and it can be bleached out and cleaned. and Yeah, I think more of like your physical body, like the, your, your spirit leaving your body and like not uh, in a traumatic way, not knowing it's dead and still feel like it needs to stay by that in order to like see family members. Um, but I don't think blood, no. No, I think so. From what I understand, when there's a haunting that occurs, it's usually a person, place, or object that the uh, spirit attachment is to. And I've personally seen where, like, someone's died in Salt Lake City. They're buried in Salt Lake City, but they're haunting the Asylum 49, the old Tooele Hospital, um, just because it was a familiar place to them. So I don't, I don't think, no, uh, is my opinion on the, the blood. Now, is there, I, I mean, would, that makes me think, why do, um, I don't know, Satanists drink blood of goats or i don't know that they do or is it is it, is it democrats that fear children <laughs> that cut their feet off and drink their fearful blood i think democrats drink blood but um they they eat the blood of their children um what i have no idea um yeah i don't know <laughs> i thought it was goat's blood well it's supposed to be like i guess like a life source right blood, blood is what yes. keeps you alive yes yeah if um, you drink unicorn blood you'll live forever or you'll shit rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> That's Challenge leprechauns. accepted. That's leprechauns. Um, I don't know. It's possible, but I don't think so. But I think, like, for blood, I, I mean, that would be the same thing as, like, fingernail clippings. Like, I have fingernail clippings over here. I'm not going to haunt that spot, you know? Hmm. It is an interesting thought, though. I don't know. Some some cultures do believe there is. Um I don't feel like there would be. I wouldn't, like, if I bled out somewhere, I'm not going to stick around my blood and be like... Well, and we might be misunderstanding the question, too, because, I mean, like, in some uh, religious practices, they you hear about, like, in voodoo where they use blood and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I've never experienced it. I haven't really looked into it, but I don't... I don't think there is. No. I not in really. anything that I practice. No, I think it's... If anything, it's our, our consciousness is the, where everything lies in a spiritual sense yeah not in a physical in any way yeah that makes sense so any part of my physical body no i don't think it's yeah you know whatever that whatever were the words i can't think of the words i do do think it's an interesting question though yeah and maybe it's something we can look further into but uh yeah i don't know i mean it's not in any religious or spiritual practices that we do so 
Yeah, but I just I wouldn't imagine it being. Um. Yeah, I, th- I, I yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't think there is. Um, oh, was there another question? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the third yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Last question: Do you think certain magicians have supernatural help, i.e., David Blaine or Chris Angel? Um, they've did, all sold their souls. I definitely have every single one. Questioned that myself. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I used to lie. watch that Chris Angel Mind Freak. And mind I was, Freak. Yes. Are you ready? Dude, I was convinced. Mind Freak. Mind Freak. Did Mind Freak? I was convinced he sold his soul. Yes. <laughs> but then others like I like I like watching Justin Williams and like Mike Cabernaro. Those dudes are just funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they do it more of like a prank, a pranking version of it, and freaking people out that way instead of like a emo rock star emo way where it's just really creepy and whispering and are you ready <laughs> <laughs> i did go to chris angel's show at the luxor in las vegas now he's moved he's yes in Hollywood so now. i went and that's why I, that's specifically said the luxor just because you see how long it's been since i went to the show and it was entertaining it was fun there was there was one um i noticed i do this on every episode where i say quote unquote but there's a quote-unquote trick that, that he does where... Illusion. Yeah. He's got, I think, like six different types of motorcycles up on a screen or wall or something. And he asks a volunteer to come up on stage and pick one. And he will appear on that same motorcycle. So as they bring this guest on and she's standing there and they pull up the, the multiple choices... They have a performance going on because it's Cirque du Soleil, right? So there's a performance and a show going on. And I can see one of the stagehands. Um, actually, maybe not, not even a stagehand. It was like one of the people that are on the stage with him, like performing with him. But I can just see them for a long time whispering in this girl's ear. But that's a long time for them to be hanging out with this one chick. And then she picks a, a, a motorcycle out of a picture. Happens to be the one he's on. I'm like, there's a lot of time. There's a long time that they, that person in their ear says, "Hey, make sure you pick D. And I'll give you like 500 bucks." You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's what I was like. Oh, that one ruined it for me. But also during the show as well, things would happen. I'm like, how the hell? I I enjoy trying to find if I can see where where the the trick happens or the illusion happens. I enjoy trying to look for that type of stuff. And when there's sometimes when I'm like, I don't know how you did that, man. That you, you know the one away. that had me convinced that he was. Soul to soul. Yeah, which one? It's the one where levitating. He, no, the wood chipper. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Did you ever see that one? Yes, uh-huh. Where, uh huh. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. He, yeah, it's it's like he was in a box or something, and like even when it went into the wood chipper, you see it like coming out, like it looks like blood's coming out of the wood chipper. Yes, and then he's like, fine. Um, I'm just like, I have no idea. I mean, it's also on television, so there's the magic of cameras, right? So I don't know. Yeah, him levitating. Like the way he levitates it out in the open, outside, that's crazy. Where there's nothing above him. Have you, you seen that? Have you seen that like street performer? He's like all in silver. He looks like a construction worker, and he goes out and he's got this like this little uh, pole. He like yeah. he's got a staff and he like puts it in the 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 hole in the ground. He climbs up this little step ladder, and then lifts his feet up, and then he grabs the step ladder and moves it, and he's just like. Holding himself up, like floating with one arm. So that's an old trick from yeah, I've India. Seen many of those. In the India trick, they use like a rope and a, and a magic carpet, and it's the same concept. But it's it's still it's been, still really that cool. That trick has been around for a long time, but it is super but cool. Guy, I like, can't do it, and I don't know. No, how to do I don't it. know how to do it. But this dude, you see him like walk up to the platform, 
Like he's not already on it in the video. Uh-huh. You see him walking down the street up to the platform and then he starts doing all this. And it's just like, this is a trip. It's, it's really cool. Like, um, a lot of magicians, like I know Harry Houdini, he actually spent, You knew him? He's a big fan of the podcast? Yeah, he's a huge fan. <laughs> I talk to him all the time. He actually went around trying to disprove paranormal. Yes, I have. And supernatural stuff like that. So, Well, because there was a lot of that going on where people were tricking psychic stuff, like with the whole the sisters and knocking on the table and stuff. He was trying to disprove all that. Yeah. So, um, no, I don't think magicians have supernatural abilities. I just think they're really good illusionists. Right. I yeah. mean, they spend their life doing that. I mean... Kids, a lot of kids are doing learning how to do this, and they have their TikToks and their other stuff that they learn these tricks, and they're putting them on their their stories and stuff, and you know, getting a bunch of views because it's it's cool shit. It's really cool shit. Yeah, it's it's what makes it fun to watch is you don't know how they did it, and when you do know how, it makes it not fun. So, yeah do do I do I think these magicians have have a blood pact with the underworld? No, but have I questioned it? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, some of it is really strange. Like, of course, I mean, that's why they get paid a lot of money because this is like they spend a lot of time dedicating to that trick. Although, if I had a ghost that could help me do magic tricks, I would totally cash in. On I that. would so do that. I uh, I was at a, the movies with a friend. We, me and a friend were on a double date, and we ran into one of his one of his like schoolmates, I guess. What you call somebody he went to school with that he wasn't like close with. And he said this guy does like you know magic tricks, and he did a trick with me. And I don't remember the exact trick anymore, but it was basically he took a, I, you know, I picked a card, I wrote my initials on it, he folded it up, or he put it back in the deck, I don't, and it showed up in a can of Coke. And I'm like, what? They all folded up. And I was like, it blew my mind. I don't and know as how he, he did walked it. away yeah, with like his goat that. legs, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> how did he do it? <laughs> I love watching, like, the sleight of hand stuff. And, like, Just leaving games. Cocoa Pebbles as a path. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I do love watching magicians, though. It's fun. We should go to Vegas and watch one. Yes. Go watch David Blaine. I would totally uh, do that. David Blaine, he like he, he has some cool tricks, but his monotone voice. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who's that? There's another big one that, that's at the end of the strip there. Like the oh, Carrot Top? No. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Copperfield? Prop, yeah, Copperfield. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's down there at the Tropicana, I think. Down that direction, I wouldn't mind. I've I've seen Mac King. He's a, he's a daytime performer. He's oh, yeah, I don't know who that he's is. He's a he's a family one. He's a family friendly. Okay, um, nothing wrong with that. No, he's he's funny. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. I mean, it's possible, but I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. they have supernatural help. No. And then the last bit of his little comment says Zozo is the rubber ducky demon that gets made fun of in the locker room. Hmm. Um, I don't know if we talked about Zozo. I know I've personally talked to him about Zozo. Um, Zozo's not real. We mentioned it before. Yeah, unlike did. demons. And yeah, stuff. probably. Like I know, like people think Zozo's a real demon. It's it's made up. It's not real. And the whole concept behind rubber ducky demon is like you can take this demon, this rubber ducky, and put all of your focus your energy into it and say this is a demon. And then if enough people believe, then it's like okay, now we're worshiping this demon. Um, that's demon duck. Demon duck. Demon ducky. It's like a show Nickelodeon would make. Demon Duck. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. But that's not what we're talking about. I'm like totally ripping off Bacon Cell right now by saying that. Um, <laughs> I think you ripped off Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 Nick. Yes. No, that, that's not what we're talking about. Um, so today, uh, kind of Halloween-ish. Not really. It's We're done with Halloween stuff. It's all Halloween stuff. I'm not oh. done. 
Well, we'll never be done. That's why we do a year-round paranormal podcast, because it's It's always always. Halloween. (laughs) Yes. Today, we're talking about 112 Ocean Avenue in Long Island, New York, in Amityville. Amityville. Dun, dun, dun. I wonder what we're going to be talking about. (laughs) I don't know. People died. Ghost stuff there. People investigated. End of episode. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah. Speaking of investigating, I have my... A flashlight from the Haunted Museum in Las Vegas because I was trick-or-treating and I got my flashlight still. One of these days I'll wear my Zach Baggins shirt to the show. I bought a shirt. Did you buy a shirt? No. I have a shirt. I did not. Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. <laughs> Back to Amityville. Back to Amityville. So in, I think the town of Amityville was like founded in 1897 or something like that. Um, I know the house itself was built in 1927. The, so it's not that nineteen twenty four isn't that old compared to the rest of the yeah. East Coast then. No, it's not really. This yeah, this particular kind of house newer. is newer. Yeah, it's it's newer. Just barely under hundred years old. Yeah. Yeah, the house itself is not a hundred years old yet. Like no. I said, it's yeah, nineteen twenty four. Um the DeFeos, they moved in nineteen sixty five is when they moved in. And there was a whole lot going on with that family. So the the father's name was Ronnie DeFeo. Uh, senior, and then uh, I believe they called him Big Ron. The son was Ronald DeFeo Jr. They called him Butch. Um, or Little Ronnie. Or Little Ronnie. They had, he had, they moved in with his, uh, obviously his mom, uh, Louise, and then he had his two sisters and two brothers. I know the older sister, the older sister was Dawn, and then the, uh, other siblings, I don't remember. Yep, Allison. And so Don, 18, Allison, 13, Mark, age 12, and John Matthew, age 9. And when, when the uh, shootings occurred, when this all went down, Ronald or Butch was uh, 23. Mm-hmm. And this, this, so the shootings happened in, in uh, November of 13th in 1975. Well, and just, and just real quick, so some people I know I'm jumping like out. I know I got mixed up. The Amityville house and and everything happened. It happened to two families, like back to back. the 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 killings happened with the DeFeo family, and then the Lutzes that came in later. That's where like the movie Amityville two thousand five came in, and the book. So, like if people were like kind of are kind of confused, like I was. I didn't realize it was actually two families. I thought it was like one, you know, just one story. Uh, it was until I think maybe a year ago, kind of just looking into. Maybe even the Warrens when we were talking about the Warrens during this podcast, and then reading into this, and I realized, oh yeah, this was two families, not one big long drawn out story. So just no. kind of if it kind of helps if it helps people like it helped me just realize we're talking we're going to be talking about two different families. Yeah, and the um, the DeFeos I think have the majority of the happenings going on here, um, but the the movies. And the book are all based on the Lutz family, and I'll get into that, why that is later. Yeah. But uh, with the DeFeos, like I said, they moved in in 1965. Uh, Big Ron, or Ronald Sr., was a car salesman. He worked for his father-in-law, and I believe Butch also worked at the uh, dealership as well. Um, they did have a lot of issues. With each other. With each other. Junior and senior. Um, there, was, there was a lot of abuse that came from senior down to junior and to the other kids as well no is that has that been confirmed or was that just junior is that just butch saying that it's possible that it's him just saying that i know there was like um 
I remember in one instance they were eating like dinner and senior just like got up and and like punched him for no reason. Oh jeez. Okay. Or if it's like the West Coast choppers. Or was... <laughs> Orange Orange County choppers. Yeah. 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 Orange County. <laughs> that kind of relationship. Yeah, that kind of relationship. Just <laughs> yelling at each other across did, the table. Did you guys see aerial pictures of this house? Aerial pictures? I c I've seen some, yeah. It's with, a gorgeous house. Yeah, with a backyard and the, with a lake. It's a small backyard, but there's a lake right behind. Like it's like it's it's just I don't know, twenty feet from the back of the house. There's yeah, the lake it's right the there. Amityville uh, River, I think it was. Um, and they had a they had a boathouse. Yeah, and at one everyone point, has like, a boathouse there. They they it says here that at one point they actually um, they used the cash incentives and uh, they bought him a fourteen thousand dollars speedboat. Uh, they bought Ronald. Junior, or so Butch, they bought him a speedboat mm. for the, to go out on the lake and that. Um, but like I said, I know they had a lot of issues. Uh, when he was growing up, I think when he was like 17 and 18, he started using drugs and he started acting out and becoming violent. So it is possible that a lot of the stuff that he said about his dad was fictional, but yeah. I don't know. Or hormones and puberty. and. But there, there, was, there was a lot of um, contention there between the two. And apparently some of the uh, other siblings as well. Like, um, I think Butch just kind of stepped in to take the brunt of what was going on to protect his siblings. Um, but I know it got to the point to where it seemed like he was just kind of done with it. And like I said, on uh, November 13th. 13th, 1974. 79. No, 79 yep. is too late. Yep, 74. 74. <laughs> um because the less moved in in 75. Sorry, my poor penmanship threw so, me off. Yeah, so um, at about 3.15 in the morning, um, all six members of his family were shot. His his parents, his two brothers and his two sisters, uh, shot and killed in their beds. They were all found face down with their arms up above their heads. Uh, I believe there was nine shots fired total from a thirty five Magnum rifle. And... After the killings happened, they say he just kind of took a shower and, and went to work. And he got there a little bit early, and he just, like, fell asleep in his car at the dealership there. And um, when Ron Sr. didn't show up to work, um, no one really thought much of it. Uh, one of the one of his brothers had some sustained some injuries and was going to physical therapy. So this is one of the days where they kind of knew Ron Sr. wasn't coming in because he was taking his kid to physical therapy. So no one thought much of it, of him not showing up to work. Um, it was later that day, I guess, like, people, like, kind of called the house and knocked on the door, and, like, no one, they were getting no answer. Um, Ron came home, said he found his family murdered, so he went to the local bar and told some of his friends and brought him back. He's like, hey, my parents were killed. And then that started yeah. the whole investigation of what went on and a lot of the stories that happened. I know, like, once the cops were called, they came in and they actually took over one of the neighbor's house and set up as like a command center. And the neighbors were like confused. They thought like there was someone loose in the neighborhood until they found out that, you know, the DeFeo family was murdered. Yep. All, all, uh, all of his siblings were shot once and his parents were both shot twice. And the reason why uh, they think no one heard it is because there was a, uh, gosh, we got a sound suppressor on the end of the rifle. So this is the thing is, so they, when they were going to trial, they did some testing and they, they fired uh, the rifle and they said they could hear it like five to six blocks away or like four to five blocks away. So it's a loud rifle, right? 
Um, but no one heard it. Like no one in yeah. the family heard it. Like there was no signs that anyone woke up. There was no signs of struggles or anything. There were, there were signs that the mom, Luis, and, and I think the oldest sister, Dawn, were, they were awake at the time. Because I think they were. Well, it would make sense. I think I think with because uh, I know Big Ron was the the first one shot. Mm-hmm. So when you got the person lying in bed next to you shot, um, it might wake you up. But none of the the other siblings woke up at all. Um, none of the neighbors heard it. They did hear the family dog barking. Yeah. But they didn't hear it. There was no. And the thing is, they even looked into it. There was no signs of a suppressor or silencer or anything. They're they're still confused as to how this did not wake anybody up. That's what I've heard too. Yeah. And then, like I said, they, when they did their testing for the investigation for the trial, um, you were able to hear this firearm going off four to five blocks away. It's not a quiet, uh, rifle. Did he ever admit to using any type of suppression? No, I don't think he did. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, so originally like, well, because, um, they were Italian descent, there were rumors that, uh, Ron Sr. was involved in the mafia. So at one point, I think one of Ron's, uh, Butch's stories was that there was a couple mob members that were there and they forced him to kill his family. Uh, one of the other stories is uh, Don and Butch, they were really close. And they were sick of the abuse and the way they were being treated, so they had decided to kill Ron Sr. And um, there's one of the stories that Ron has is like he was uh, watching TV in the basement in his room and this cloaked hooded figure with black hands gave him the rifle and told him to kill his family. And so he did. Um, but it's also been said that people saw like that same night, Don leaving the house wearing a big hooded coat with black gloves. And she actually apparently drove down to the pier with then they they said they saw her leaving with the rifle. Um, said she drove down to the pier and tossed the rifle into the river. And the, one of the ways they kind of confirmed this was that um, the police divers actually found the rifle near the pier where she was supposedly seen. Um, so one of the theories is that this this demon figure gave him the gun when it was actually dawn. Um, like I said, they were talking about possibly working together to kill their dad. And one of the stories was, is that Don just went ahead and killed their dad without Butch at all. And she just got carried away and killed everybody else. And when Butch had seen what had happened, he got upset and then in turn killed Don. So that was like kind of one of the original stories is, one of Butch's original stories is that Don had committed all the murders mm-hmm. and he killed Don in retaliation. Um, it was when he went to trial that his grandfather kept saying like, you know what? You just need to confess. You've been caught. Just confess that you committed all these murders. Stop dragging your name, your family's name and your sister's name through the mud. You know? Um, yeah. He also claimed that a mobster hitman did it um, <coughs> because his uncle I guess I guess uh, I guess the DeFeo's uh, Ron Senior, his brother actually was in the mafia, so not necessarily Ron was, but but his brother. And anyway, um, Butch was claiming that uh, Louis Fellini had done it, and he was a known mob hitman, but he had an alibi. He was in a, another state at the time, so that that fell through the cracks real quick. Well, when the news kind of spread, 
that the murders had happened. Um, I know like the bar owner or the bartender, um, he was interviewed and when he found out that the whole family's dead, but not Ron Jr. or Butch, he's like, yeah, Butch did it. And it spread pretty quick. Like everyone is just like, yeah, he did it. He did it. Um, there was like no doubt in anyone's mind. Well, apparently I was reading something and, you know, I, I was reading a few stories and a lot of them kind of, kind of, I don't know. It was kind of hard to tell. Like one story I read said that he was a shotgun to kill his family. And I was like, I don't think that happened. Um, most stories say it was a, it was the, it was the rifle. But anyway, um, one story I was reading said that he actually, he, you know, he came up with all these different stories of what happened. And the day after the death, he actually confessed and showed police where he disregarded his blood-soaked clothes and the rifle. And he showed the he showed the police where that was. The next day. Do you think possibly he had help? Family got killed somewhere else and then brought them back. Um, brought them back to the house? But he, they were killed somewhere else and then he brought them all back yeah. to the house? I believe there was no evidence of them actually being moved. Yeah, so, that I seems mean, the most unlikely of everything I've heard. <laughs> they, they um, well, Having I mean, help, though, I mean, there was evidence. Uh, I guess they did find on, like, Don's clothing, like, unburnt gunpowder, which suggests that she actually did fire the gun at one point. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, it's, it is possible that Don did commit all the murders and Ron just took the rap for it, but I don't know for sure without but, actually yeah. having investigated the house or, but it still just doesn't make any sense with nobody hearing gunshots. Yeah, no, that's, so that's why I'm wondering if that happened somewhere else with all the blood splatter and stuff in the rooms. Like see that, yeah, that wouldn't make any sense either. Because if, if they were shot somewhere else and then moved there, like the blood splatter that was all over the... It wouldn't be there. It wouldn't be there. And then there's the whole situation with the flies up in Don's room on the third floor. I mean, flies show up when people have been sitting dead for a while. Because they were dead for, I think, close to a, a full 24 hours before they were found, I believe, or pretty close to. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, he most likely killed them at 3.15 in the morning. And it wasn't until later that night, probably like seven or eight at night. So not quite 24 hours, but I mean, it was, it was quite some time that they were laying there dead. And Dawn, I guess her head was just like, she wasn't just shot. Like she was shot in the head. Like her head was just kind of like mutilated. Hmm. And I know like when they were carrying the bodies out, like one of the kids had actually fallen off the gurney. Like oh, one of the, yeah, oh one, of the, one of the reporters actually saw the kid had fallen. And so he actually saw, like, the dead body of the kid. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, he went to trial, I think, about a year after he went to trial. He was yep, October he was, 14th of 1975. He was found guilty of all six murders and sentenced to consecutive life sentences, which he served up until March 12th of this year, 2021, where he passed away at the age of 69. And they still don't know why or how he passed away. Nope. So I, I, you know, when, when he went on trial, the the defense were, were trying to mount a whole defense about him being insane. You know that yeah, uh, evil spirits. Because one of the things he did say was, you know, okay, yeah, getting told. Yeah, I, I was told to do it by these evil spirits. So his story kept changing. He so. kept hearing the whisperings. He said, yeah. But yeah, he had so many different stories. Well, there was one thing that he said that uh, he would laugh and say there was no demon in the house, and he said, you know who the demon is? I'm the demon. Which is exactly what a demon would say. It's exactly what a demon would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, the doc- in one of the interviews I saw with him, too, he's like, 
The Amityville Horror? I guess that would be me because I'm the one that killed my family. Yeah. Or was convicted for killing his family. But So even though the, the, the defense was trying to mount a whole thing about him being insane, the, the prosecutor said, hey, listen, we know you've got a history with heroin and LSD, um, and maybe you were going insane, but you were aware of you, you killed six of your family members. Well, the fun thing about that, I guess it's not fun, but the defense lawyer um, that was trying to get with the insanity plea uh, and then you know saying that there was demonic spirits that got him to do it, he was actually like signing contracts with Ron saying like, you know, you'll serve, you know, only a couple of years, you'll get out, we'll sell your story and we'll make a ton of money off of this. Hmm. Like his defense lawyer is like, yeah, we'll make millions. Like we can sell your story, we can make millions. But we, I mean, I will make millions. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, he was, he was all about that defense and, and uh, talked about making money off of the, the story. Mm, interesting. Um, obviously, it didn't work out that way for him because, like I said, he spent the rest of his life in jail until March of this year, March 12th. I wonder why they haven't come out with the, the cause of death yet. I don't know. I mean, 69 is kind of young for old age. I don't know if he you know, could have had a heart attack, but they haven't said why. COVID. Yeah. That's the yeah. bed. <laughs> who, knows, who knows? I have no idea. Yeah, so that kind of, yeah, so that's kind of uh, butch. Or Ronnie Jr. and the killing of his six family members, his his parents and his and his four siblings. Yes, I think he did it. I don't think Don did it. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't there. I don't know. I mean, I think he was definitely influenced by something, whether it was of a spiritual nature or of a drug nature. Yes. So he yeah. could have been on the influence of something. Oh, another, another one of the other claims was that uh, that he wasn't there. He was with his brother-in-law because he was married at some point. Did you hear about that one? I did not. I he did try to say that he was he had an alibi saying he was somewhere else. But when they kind of broke down the timeline, when they when they um, kind of determined the time of death at three fifteen, and Ron said he was actually at the house at that time. Um, they kind of ruled out the, uh, well, the other thing that ruled that story out was when they asked his ex-wife about it, she's like, well, I don't have a, a brother named so-and-so because he gave, you know, I was with my brother-in-law, my, my, my wife's brother. And you know, when they interviewed her, she's like, I don't have a brother named that. (laughs) So (laughs) that also fell through the cracks that, that, that alibi different stories on yeah, which makes me wonder, you know, if, if you are possessed and you're hearing voices, I mean, is that the route you're going to take? Is by just giving all these all these random, you know, alibis and stories of why or you, why you did or didn't do it? Clearly, he didn't awkward. learn from David Berkowitz, because I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look up the years that Berkowitz was committing his hmm. murders. But he said his thousand year old dog was a demon. Oh, okay. his dog was a thousand year old demon that was telling him to commit the murders. Okay. We can we can talk about Berkowitz on another episode. All right. But, um, yeah, clearly DeFeo didn't learn from him because Berkowitz <laughs> stuck to his story. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, he went to, he went away, family died and stuff. Um, then a year later uh, in 1975, after the murders, it was December, 1975, uh, into January of 76, the Lutz family moved in. They bought the property for $80,000. I don't know if you knew about this, but the furniture from the DeFeos stayed in the home. Did it? Yes. That's creepy. Yes. So they bought it. The Lutzes bought the DeFeo's 
home um, with with the furniture still inside. And the thing is, is like Kathy and George Lutz, they knew about the murders. Yes. Before they moved in. Um, it was just a still of a deal. I guess their price range, that their, their budget they were trying to stay in was like fifty dollars to $60,000, somewhere in there. Um, $80,000 for how big the house is. Uh, it just seemed like it was too good to be true. So they bought the house. Wasn't true that George didn't really believe in that? Is that why? They weren't like the most, they were, they were, they were Christians, both different. One was, uh, I think she was Catholic and he was Methodist, but they weren't very practicing at the moment. So they didn't really care. No. And he says in the, in the original movie, um, there's the quote that he says, uh, houses don't have memories. People do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he kind of didn't believe that no anything was going to be there, like there would be any residual energy or anything like that. And there was no paranormal existence in this house before the DeFeos. No claims of any type of paranormal activity before the DeFeos. And anything after well, the Lutz. They, and the whole DeFeo family didn't have any paranormal activity. Let's, let's keep that in mind too. Right. It was they just also him, didn't experience it. just Ronnie Jr. having the voices at night. Yeah. But with all the abuse and the the drug use and all the violence that went on in that home, including the murders, that's just like a breeding ground for negative energy. For the Lutzes. For the Lutzes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Now, let's talk real quick about, about uh, old Butch here. I mean, from your guys' just thought process and guesses, do you, do you think he was being possessed? Do you think he was hearing voices? Do you think it was all just the drugs? Do you think it was just stress, like accumulation of all of the above? I think, like I think it was a combination. It's possible, like I think he was on drugs, mm-hmm. um, and I know that when you're on drugs, you are more easily influenced by spirits, okay, of a negative nature. I'm not saying that's what happened. I, I definitely think that he was on something. Oh, and there was no evidence that like, his family was poisoned or drugged or anything like that either. Yeah, I mean, he's, he he claimed that he drugged them, but the tox, toxologist report. Came negative on it. Toxicology. Yeah, toxicology. They, they said there was, uh, yeah, no signs of drugs. And then the, they also, I guess they also found a box of, uh, an empty box of thirty-five caliber Marlin gun ammo mm-hmm. in uh, Butch's room, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I think he was definitely on the influence of some kind of narcotic. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards as well. Have you guys heard of Jackie Barrett? I don't no. think so. She was old Ron Jr.'s spiritual, like, psychic advisor while he was in prison. Okay. Oh. And she had, like, a, there was, like, a whole special about, like, a, of a, uh, more, it was more of, like, a psychic interview and her, like, getting more involved into this case and into his head. And you hadn't heard of this? I saw no, this special you, years tell ago. Us, tell us more. Do you have more information? It's been a long time since I've seen this. And I saw it when it first came out. And I want to say it was like 2000, between 2012, 2015 Do you remember what the premise of it was? Yeah, it was about her and her uh, interviews with, with, with Ron DeFeo Jr. while he was in prison. Uh-huh. And like letters that he had and... Um, more of a breakdown of his life and then like <clears throat> almost like there was more things that she found out that kind of puts the light somewhere else I it's been a long time since I've seen that just when we were 
talking now, I started looking into things and I, it reminded me of that. And I looked into that more and I remember that whole, there was like a whole special on this. Hmm. I want to say it was on A&E maybe. But yeah, so she's like a psychic spiritual advisor to him while he was in prison and during, I don't remember for how many years. That's interesting. But yeah, her I'll name was Jackie Barrett. That. And if you read some of the stories, you kind of like hear you'll come across her name here and there. And then, but I do remember this special and, and watching it and, and it kind of going like, you know, opening more doors and did more. It, did it change your mind? of what Yeah, happened? it did. And I, it's been so long since I had seen this. I forgot all about it and all the things that came about from that interview and from that episode. Do you remember how, like how you felt like thought process wise of what happened before and after? Yeah. Um, still that he did it, but I think it, it brought light into like different ways that how it went down or who did it. Hmm. And I think it had to do with his sister being the one doing it. Interesting. And seeing some of the evidence that, like I said, that they found would suggest that she did that. Uh, the, the gun residue, the powder that they right. found and on it clothes. was more of him killing her to stop her. Yeah. And so it's like, like I said, they, the, one of the theories is that they had conspired together to kill their dad and that she decided to carry it out, uh, without him and just went crazy and killed the whole family. And when he saw what she had done, he killed her. Right. And they're saying, because the grandfather was like, you know what? Just confess, like, don't drag her name into the mud and all that. Um, some people think because he was saying that, that like his grandfather kind of knew that Ron was telling the truth. Hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, like I said, the uh, the gun residue or the, the gunpowder that they found on Don's clothing, I mean, that's kind of... Like that giveaway that she was holding a gun and firing. Yeah. Interesting. From the hip. Yep. So it is very possible that she did commit some of the murders, or at least helped. That is interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I would need to watch that that whole special again. But that was a re- I do remember getting like when that did air, and I watched it. Like I was really involved in that episode. But God, it's been so many years; I cannot remember everything that went on in that. But yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to see if I can find it and watch it. I wish I would remember that before now. this, <laughs> before we started recording. Me too. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, every episode. I know we're good like that. We like to give you half the information until you look up the rest on your own. Um, <laughs> we do our best. <laughs> like we're here to somewhat inform and mostly entertain. Um, we'll open the win- the doors you walk through. Yes, we're opening up those uh, rabbit holes for listeners to go and jump into. Um, so yeah, the Lutz family, uh, they're full of shit. I mean, what they moved in in 1975. Um, George, Kathy Lutz, I don't know the names of the kids. There was three yeah, of them. Three. Uh, two boys and a girl? Yeah, two boys and a girl, I think. That I'm not sure. Yeah, there was a young one. She saw a pig. What? Had eyes. Oh. Okay. Named Jody. Wait, no, so what? there was... Oh, so They were in the house for 28 days. It was like almost from day one, I guess, they had stuff going on, according to them. Um uh, I guess they like had a priest because they knew what had happened in the house. They had like a priest come bless the house while the priest was there. Um, he said he heard a voice scream at him telling him to get out. And I believe this was up in the third story or 
third, yes, third story room where Don was murdered. Um, there was apparently flies flying around, which kind of would make sense because that's where her body was murdered. Um, her body was murdered? Yeah, body was murdered. <laughs> yes. Makes sense. you got to murder their body. You don't murder them when they're alive. You just murder the dead bodies. Yeah. Um, just to make sure. Um, but, yeah, the priest said he heard a voice telling him to get out, and he basically told the Lutz family, he's like, don't use that room. Um, some of the other things that they were experiencing, um, I guess the dog, like day one, uh, George claims that the dog tried to hang itself. What? Yeah. Said it like jumped over a fence or something and the lease was kind of short and he had found the dog like sitting there hanging. I mean, he didn't try to hang itself. It just right. didn't know any better. It's the, a dog. Yes. This is the words that George Lutz used, the dog tried to hang itself. Um, some of the other stuff that they said they experienced, so there was like a lot of cold spots in the house. Like George... George can never get warm. He was always out, like, cutting firewood, trying to heat up the house. Um, but it's New York in December. There's going to be cold spots. It's going to mm-hmm. be cold. Yeah. Um, There'll be drafts here and there. Sure apparently, it's not insulated very good. Yeah, right? And especially in 1975. Yeah. Um, I don't know how Asbestos. heating worked back then. <laughs> yes. Um, apparently, George had a history of dabbling in the occult. So he's already kind of familiar with some of this stuff. Um, they said they smelled like strange odors. They saw green slime oozing out of the walls and keyholes. And um, they had said they had some other paranormal activities, such as like a nearby garage door was opening and closing. Uh, they heard an invisible spirit knocking mm-hmm. a knife down in the kitchen. Uh, like I said, there was the pig-like creature with red eyes. That uh, it says George and his son Daniel saw from a window. Um, I know they said Jody started seeing this pig thing out of her window. Uh, Jody wasn't the daughter's name. Jody was the name of the pig. Uh, the daughter said she saw this thing named Jody. Um, I guess he he would often wake up at like three fifteen in the morning, which is when it said that Ron committed all the murders. Um, George would experience like mood swings and would just be very angry and agitated and just wasn't himself. Um, I believe they said it looked like Kathy was like, was aging faster at like a yeah. rapid rate while they were in the house. Um, he, George said he would wake up and see Kathy levitating off of her bed. Said his sons, Dan and Christopher were also levitating out of their beds. Um, I, this seems so, Way exaggerated. The green slime sounds so bullshit. Uh, levitating out of their beds sounds so bullshit. It sounds like they were hyping this up in a major way to get... Well, the the fun thing is, is some of this stuff, like the slime and the levitations, didn't come out until after the book was written. written. This and wasn't some of the original... Like there's the, One of the documentaries I've, I've seen that had some of the investigators that actually came out to the house... Like, these were not, none of this was in the original reportings of activity that was going on. But apparently something so bad happened on day 28. The Lutz family won't even talk about it. Um, they couldn't think of anything. They, they can't talk about it now because they're, uh, the George and Kathy are dead, and I don't think the kids talk about it. Um, they were too young to remember. Like, I don't know, my parents just said. <laughs> my parents are crazy. Yeah, they just said, get um, out of here and don't But something anything. so bad happened that they fled their home after 28 days, and they didn't know that they were never going to go back. Um they left all of their stuff, and eventually the house was like seized by the bank, and everything was auctioned off. Um, I know that uh, they had called in some paranormal investigators to come check things out. 
according to the investigators, they were very open and honest with them, saying, like, we're public investigators. Like, everything that we do is public knowledge. So people are going to know we're here. Um, if we find something, we'll say we found something. If we don't find something, we'll say that, too. We're not going to hide the what we believe to be the truth. And This was 1975, so they're like, we're going to post this on our MySpace page. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess they like released an article on their findings, and they got a call from George that day uh, complaining at him and saying, like, you know, we don't want our story to be public. We don't want people to know about it. Uh, and then it, they thought it was funny because they had found out that actually earlier that morning, before he called them and told them not to make it public, they had actually gone on the news and held a press conference about the activity going on in their house. Oh, wow. Um, one of the interesting things is, so after all this went down, um, I know that uh, George and Kathy, they, uh, they, I guess they took a lie detector test and to prove their innocence, and they actually passed the lie detector yeah. test. I guess the person that took it was like a very veteran polygraph tester. Um, I guess they had a lot of legal and financial issues, which prompted skeptics to believe that they had motive to create a financial story to sell the public. Um, I think that's accurate, but I don't have any proof. Um, <laughs> what, what I do find interesting is the lawyer that represented Butch had actually got in contact with the Lutz family. And there was several meetings that they had talked about stuff that was going on. The lawyer actually admitted to showing a lot of the evidence from Butch's case to the Lutz family. Um, and this was all done while they went through many, many bottles of wine. Hmm. And there was a lot of conversation. It was even brought up during this conversation. Uh, I guess one of the journalists actually, they, they tape recorded uh, this conversation, the lawyer and, and that did. And George actually played this tape for a journalist and said before he played, it, he's like, you know, I'm not very proud of what's on this tape. But they basically had talked again about the, the lawyer talked about how if they sold the story and wrote, had a book written and made movies, they can make millions. Uh. Um, so yeah, um, that all happened. And then I guess the, the son, Daniel, um, he claims that this house ruined his life and that he continues to have nightmares to this day. But yeah, the, um, they had, there was, there was so many, um, I think before the book was even written, they brought in uh, a news team and Ed and Lorraine Warren and a couple other like psychic mediums to conduct seance on the house to kind of figure out what was going on. Um, I know during the seance, this is when Lorraine Warren said, this is, this is like the one case that they would never talk about again. Um, she said at one point during what was going on at the house that she said, this is as close to hell as she hoped she ever gets. Hmm. Um, she said the house was that evil. And I know during this like seance and stuff, when they were going through uh, photo evidence, they had a, a camera that would just like periodically take pictures. And in one of the pictures, um, and we can, I, I could probably post it in the thumbnail. Um, there's a little boy. Yeah. And one of the pictures and there was no kids there during the seance and all that, the investigation. Oh yeah, that picture. I remember seeing that picture. Yeah. They they think it might be the DeFeo's youngest. Yeah, I believe. Um, was he? he was nine, or the twelve year old. I think it was twelve and nine year old. I think it might have been the nine year old. Yeah. Um, I know that like 
after that investigation, there was other like mediums that came out or investigators that came out. Uh, one of the guys brought in like a channeler. Um, and the reason why he brought him in is because it makes it so you can actually like the spirits could tap into her vocal cords and, and you can talk to the spirit that uh, way. Yeah. Um, they <clears throat> determined according to them, there was nothing evil or malevolent in the home that it was just a native American, uh, chief who was basically just pissed off that people were on his land. Okay. Cause I guess the land at one point was used as like a burial ground. So it it all just kind of depends on which investigator you're talking to, like what spirits were there and what's going on. Um, just from what I've seen, the evidence I've looked into, I have no doubt in my mind this house is haunted um, by what I don't know. I mean, real quick, with the Native American talking about it, it was a burial ground right by the riverfront, though? That'd be a, probably a bad place or to bury. Or Native American land or something. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah, the, apparently according to this medium and this investigator, uh, this this Native American spirit was just pissed that people were on hmm. his land. And you know, I think of the of the the, the Lutzes here. Okay, so moving sucks, right? Like no one no one really enjoys moving. It's a it's a big pain in the ass, right? So to to move in and then twenty days later leave. But if it's not their shift, that, somebody that's what else I was is wondering if it's not even their furniture. That's why they were probably I'm sure they brought like, something in. I'm sure they had stuff to bring just in. Their clothes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. pretty much what they took. They packed up their clothes and left. So that's all they brought with them. <laughs> so yeah, if a lot of the furniture and stuff was there already, it makes sense that they didn't take it with them and they never like went these, back. These for beds it. are just fine. They're just there's just a bullet. There's just one little hole in all these beds. <laughs> but besides that, these mattresses are great. <laughs> it's the box springs that have the holes. New mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> They've been soaked with bleach <laughs> yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, so ooh, so the letters. But then the book, like they after all the investigation and stuff like that, they they got uh, John Anton, I believe his name is. I know his last name's Anton. Um, the author of the Amityville Horror, the true story, um, wrote this book and. I believe that they, the Lutz, like George Lutz, helped like consult on it, on the writing of this book, and then they, I guess, they had decided to make the movie because the book was like, like a, um, I mean, it was a huge hit. Like it became a bestseller. It was Jay Anton uh, wrote the book. It came out in 1977. It was called Amityville Horror: uh, The True Story. And I know there was a lot of backlash from some of the, like the journalists and some investigators and stuff like that after the book came out and they read it and they're like, this is not what the Lutz family said happened at all. Uh, the guy, the Jay Anson apparently said to one of the investigators, he's like, I'm a writer. I write stories. That's what I do. He's like, what I'm trying to do is just write a bestseller. So I only have to sell this one book and I can retire and I can go get my own private island with a truckload of cardigans. <laughs> um, writer, and, uh, writer stuff. Yeah. And I know that, like, I think the lawyer and the author got quite a bit of money. I don't know if the lawyer did. I know the author got quite a bit of money. Okay. The Lutz family from the, the movie deal and the books and all that, they only got like $250,000. But they still sold their story. It's in the late yeah. 70s. It's like a million dollars. Yeah. Um, I know when the movie was made, like the screenwriter had actually contacted the author and was just like asking for help. And the guy was like, 
absolutely no help to the author. If I remember correctly, I could mm. just be making stuff up right now. But I do know that like <laughs> when when the <laughs> when the movie came out, um, the the screenplay, the writers and all that, they admitted that they took a lot of liberties and they added a bunch of stuff in, like the flies attacking the priest, because that never actually <laughs> happened. Just so you guys know, most movies are like that. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the what I found interesting is like this dude like totally admitted that he took a lot of liberties and just added a lot of stuff to the, the director movie. or the writer of the, the movie? writer the director okay. somebody they they came out and said that they yeah they took a lot of liberties and they just made a lot of stuff up for the movie just for the sake of hollywood and what i found interesting is one of the documentaries or one of the interviews i saw with george lutz he's like yeah when that movie came out and i watched it he's like it was just like watching a documentary of my life okay. and it's just like Weird, because like I said, a lot of the stuff that they said that like the the slime on the walls and stuff like that, um, they didn't talk about until after like the book and movie came out or the book came out. Anyways, um, I don't know. It just it just seemed so convenient that they like I said they knew going into this house that uh, this stuff happened and mm-hmm. they were having money problems. I wouldn't be surprised if he legit. Um, saw this as a way to make some money. Mr. Lutz? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very... Well, yeah, I think it is... I mean, it just seems too too much was going on when they moved in. Like, right. all of a sudden, when none of that happened prior, nothing's happened since. Yeah, um, no family since has experienced anything paranormal. And only them had all these crazy outlandish events where... Normal hauntings don't have all these things. No. Like, so... And like I said, a lot of the stuff he said that that happened came, like, after it became a public thing and people started looking into it. I know when the movie came out, like, people coming from all over the world to see this haunted house and they were, like, parking on neighbors' lawns and stuff like that and the neighbors are just like, there's nothing there. Like, (laughs) But I also see the potential of something with... You know, with the whole DeFeo family being murdered and then all their furniture remains in the house. Uh, potentially furniture they were murdered in. Yeah. And, you know, the Lutz family moves in. The same furniture is there. I can kind of see... I can kind of see that residual... I can, I can see there being a or, big creep factor and, like, wondering if their spirits are still lingering around. But to have that much going on that fast, like, that sounds like... It's just way too much to be happening in such a short amount of time to one family specifically. Well, they moved in a month after the DeFeo family were murdered. A year. Oh, 13 months. Yeah. True. Again, it would be more believable if it continued to happen after the Lutz family. Yeah, just crazy over-the-top stuff happening. um, And then it just stopped. It was attached to the furniture. But even they, the Lutz family, still let. I mean, the house itself would still have it, not just the furniture. It would just be residual in the house, or the, the spirits are just stuck at the house or wanting to stay at the house. It just wouldn't make sense that it only happened to that family. It would make more sense that after they moved out and it stayed abandoned for however long until the bank took it and resold it, the next family moved in, if they experienced similar things to where they moved out a month later, you know, and it became a chain of events with multiple families moving in and out because of those happening, those hauntings happening where it's just concentrated to that one family. 
directly after the family before them got murdered and then it concentrated on just them in that 28 days and hasn't happened since that just seems too too made well, up and think about remember elizabeth warren also claimed was one of the most haunted things like or evil things I, she's there witnessed. could definitely be lorraine? spirits all right yes yeah sorry. lorraine yeah. warren um, who the hell's elizabeth warren? <laughs> <laughs> i was like where are you what um but the uh it, like I said, it would just make way more sense if it continued to happen. Like, yeah, there could have definitely been spirits there where Lorraine Warren definitely came in contact with spirits. But it just seems too strange for it to just have stopped. So do you think it was just like they were just it was just a, a temporary thing that this spirit was there while Lorraine was there? And then it left. No, I think no, there are spirits there. I think there's oh, spirits okay. there. The not that they're the ones. Haunted. They're not the ones making this situation happen. I think it's more of like, like that incidents with the killings happened because of you know their own personal situations and then want to get out of the situations they're in and react. And that was their reaction and actions to to that situation. Well, is it the green slime and the ectoplasm and stuff that they said they saw? That didn't come out until like. After this was all a public thing, and it was starting to pick up steam. Yeah, and it would make more sense if it continued to happen with other families moving in afterwards, and it was still a, a continuing. Because yeah, according to those original investigators, the stuff that he originally reported was nowhere near as bad as what it ended up becoming. Right, because he probably was like, "I need to get more attention. I need to get more people to to hear this. To to yeah, to get as much attention possible." He probably said the most stupidest, outlandish things. Well, the fact that he like went public with it and had a press conference talking about like the weird stuff that happened in his house, and like, like I said, there was a the whole thing like after they evacuated, like meeting with the lawyer, and the lawyer's like, "Yeah, we can make money off of this." Um, the financial problems they had. And I was saying, like I said, the house was haunted. In my opinion, there is definitely something there. Um, I think George Lutz was an opportunist, and he took it, and it paid off for him. Not yeah. as much as he wanted to, but I think it still paid off for him. Yeah, it definitely did. Brought him attention, brought him some money. Um, but, again, I think most homes, I, I guarantee if you go down that neighborhood, there's probably going to be a lot more haunted homes than that one. And they probably still don't have all the crazy things happening that night. We're about 100 years old now. <laughs> well, the thing, too, is like I think um, I think the one investigator in the medium said there was a Native American chief. I mean, to me, that one makes more sense. Because if it's like pissed that there's all these people on his land that shouldn't be there. And then right. They take it off, almost like, seems yeah. more like that spirit would be going to every house. Yeah. Because why why would that just concentrate on that one house if that whole area was their land? Well, yeah, it's just a lot of George's story doesn't add up to me. Right. And the thing of like the the pig named Jody, um, the the next door neighbor had a, a heftier cat that would often go sit up on the ledge on that window and look in, and like in the certain light, its eyes would look red. And the thing is, like, Butch, when they saw the cat, because the cat was fat, he would call the cat Pig. So that probably was a misinterpretation of a story that got retold and retold. And or it's worst... possible um, that, because that one picture had the little boy in it, it's possible the little boy spirit was there and, like, had told the girl. Because I believe, I believe the daughter had, at one point, uh, besides also saying that she saw Jody, the pig, 
said she also saw a boy there that she played with. Hmm. So it's possible the little boy like knew Butch called the cat pig and told the girl that. I mean, that would make sense. I, 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 I know I totally cut you off, so I'm, I'm sorry. Can, <laughs> what, what were you saying? Uh, I don't even remember. That doesn't matter. I'm, but, I'm an evil person. Yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, even the, the pig thing can be explained. It was the neighbor's cat. I mean, there's there's just so much stuff that... And then the lots of stories, to me, it just doesn't add up. But the priest that, that said he heard something say, get out. Yeah. The possible... Do you think that that really happened? Like I said, it's, yeah, most likely. But... Like I said, the house, in my opinion, was definitely haunted. I think that there is something there that could have been influencing Butch at the time. Okay. Um, and I, I do think the house is haunted. But I don't think to the extent that the Lutz family said it was. And That's... I don't know. I don't know if anyone's ever actually talked to that priest. Or if it's just George saying the priest said that to right. him. Right. Yeah. Who's That could just be hearsay. I'm just reading something right now because I, I started being curious about... The Lutz's kids. And I guess uh, just a few years ago, I'm just finding this out right now. The eldest son um, kind of talked in a documentary about what happened with him and what he saw. And he actually is confirming with, with what his parents had said. He said he saw um, things moving around the house that he, he became possessed himself. And uh, that's why his parents passed the polygraph test. And, you know, he, he's like, you know, they're no longer here, but this stuff did kind of happen. I have not really talked about it because I was 10 years old at the time and I, I didn't want to be known as the Amityville kid. Uh, but now he's kind of talking, I guess he talked in this documentary, they went to the house and he did not want to go inside the house. And I know they since like have remodeled the house. So you're not seeing that the two windows that kind of look like eyes, I think they're square or rectangle now. Yeah. They're, they're, I saw um, pictures of squared now. changed the address of the home so people can't find it as easy. And the, because they've also expanded, I guess, kind of shift that also kind of helped them too because they some of the previous, newer owners have, have expanded on the house. And you would think with the remodeling of things would create more start activity. Stuff up, yeah. And you didn't hear anything like that. There hasn't been any stories of that happening either. No. And it's not like, I, from all the stuff I've heard about the people going in and investigating and stuff like that, it doesn't sound like they attempted to cleanse the home at all. They just went to see if there was actually something there. Right, and that doesn't sound like you've, I haven't heard of anybody capturing EVPs from that. Just know, the photo is the only thing. Yeah. That, yeah. What I, do you think about that infamous photo? I think that's a real. A spirit? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I think that happens a lot with spirits showing up in photos and stuff, too. Um, not, you know, those ones where it actually looks like a, it does look like an actual boy is sitting right there. You know what I mean? Along the rails of the, the stairs. Yeah. yeah. Hiding behind the railing and uh, poking his head out of, like, one of the bedrooms. Yeah, I think it was the can... bedroom where the kid was killed. Interesting. No, I can definitely see that being being real spirit in the in the picture and it's a very compelling picture yeah i can see that and i can definitely see that there could be ghosts there but just not in the sense of haunting making you leave in the middle of the night type of type of spirits no and i think um just kind of watching interviews with george lutz the dude seems like he's a little touched in the head and when you come up with this like elaborate story that you believe to be true i can see you passing a polygraph test if, I mean, you, if you've got this lie in your head 
um, that you've convinced is the truth. Like when you were taking that polygraph test, you're, you believe you're telling the truth. So yeah, you're going to pass it. Uh, is he, is he known to be an alcoholic? I, that I don't know. I've never read anything about it. I just think he's a little, um, I know sometimes like alcoholics can do that where they start telling stories that are never happened, but they start believing them and think that it really did happen. It's like, I know some people like that. (laughs) Like, Are they I'm alcoholics? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm not really. Um, no, I think he's. I think he had a little bit of uh, a mental issue going on. Uh, definitely see that too. Well, touched in the head. But I don't know. I don't buy his story um, at all. Not one bit. I think he. I think he fabricated a lot of things I just think, to make money. I think the house, yeah, does have spirits, but I don't think it is anywhere near as bad as what it's hyped up no i don't think so either interesting although i do enjoy the 2005 remake i think that one was done way with better. ryan reynolds yes. yeah that was good yeah because he's a friend of ours he listens to the show Big huge fan. fan yeah yeah josh brolin james brolin sorry not so much i don't even know if he's still alive he's not a fan though <laughs> no even like james or james josh. which was the older one josh josh brolin the dad, the older one, uh-huh. um, him and the, the, I can't remember the actress's name that played Kathy Lutz. They, they did the movie because, you know, it's a paycheck, but neither one of them, they, they straight up said that like this story is not believable. They don't think it actually happened either. Yeah. It's like, yeah. If, if it did continue to keep happening, I would totally, yeah, I would, I would believe it more if it was a continuing issue, but with it just being stuck with that one family and it stayed with that one family, I, I don't buy it. But people might say, what about, like, the Conjuring house and the parent family? Because no house after, no owners after that have said that they've experienced any activity either. Yeah, they have. Um, when the, the movie came out, the the Conjuring came out, the current owners of the house, they're like, this house has never been, nor has it will ever be haunted. Like, we've never experienced anything. I do know that the the big difference here is, is 28 days and 10 years. Yeah. The parents lived and suffered with this paranormal stuff going on for 10 years. Mm-hmm, right. And we talked about it on that episode. You can go back and listen to it. It was episode number uh, the, the Conjuring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that um, one. I don't remember the episode number. Um, the Number Conjuring. Yeah, The Number Conjuring. Just look up the title. Um, yeah, uh, 10 years. And then how that story ended and how the activity kind of died down for them. But you can still see like they do live investigations and stuff in the conjuring home. Like you can still see that they, they, yeah, the place is haunted. Yeah. I mean, it's been around for a long time and there's a lot of space in between homes. So you think if a lot of spirits wandering in the area, they going to wander right into the, you know, but the, the, home. the thing with like George Lutz is, is like, it kind of, he has a background of being interested and intrigued by the paranormal and the occult and stuff like that. So I just think he kind of took advantage of it and ran with it. Yeah. Did I ever mention what he was into specifically? No. Okay. There was Not a lot of people in, into it. I mean, there was movements. A lot, a lot. It was the 70s, baby. Yeah. That was one of the movements was yeah. because of all the people from the war that they were trying to keep getting in touch with them, you know, passed on loved ones that died in war. and Right. Well, and keep in mind, too, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but this all took place like shortly after The Exorcist came out. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Which, yeah. Which was huge at the time. Yeah. Got more people involved into the 
spooky factor of things. Well, and they say, like, um, one of the things I heard is, is there was components from, like, The Exorcist, and I think there's another horror film that came out of about the same time. Um, like, the priest being attacked, they took that from The Exorcist and put that part into the Amityville horror, because all the priests had is he heard get out. Uh-huh. Um, the being attacked by flies, that was totally made up and for the movie in that. What? Yeah, I know, right? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, what? But the, yeah, I know. I I hate to break it to you, just because it says it's a true story, don't mean it is. I think the only thing true about it is the family moved in, and twenty eight days later they moved out. Yeah, and I mean, if they're already in financial problems, so who cares if they have a foreclosure, right? Yeah, royalties. We're already bankrupt. So whatever. <laughs> It's like you said, if the furniture and that stuff was already there with the house, yeah, I can see why they didn't go back for it. Yep. They didn't pay for it. Yep. They don't care. So. Yeah. That's that's what happened. Yeah. We cracked that case wide open. Yeah. (laughs) George Lutz is full of crap. (laughs) Ronnie DeFeo's dead. Well, that's that that ends that. Yep. (laughs) We figured it out. The house is haunted. But no. not crazy haunted. But not crazy haunted. Not green ooze haunted. Yeah. I've never seen so-called ectoplasm or green ooze or any of that stuff. I don't know how I feel about that, but that's for another episode. Wait, this is lime jello. Right? <laughs> Too weird. Well, all right. If it's lime jello, go see. Don't play that. Peace out, butterflies. Have a good night. Good <laughs> night.